Welcome to the First Prez Podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Well, hey, good morning, church. Good to be with you in here, giving this hour to, to the Lord, to His glory. You know, when we worship the Lord, we change. Our lives change. Lives are being transformed just in worshiping God and giving Him glory as we were made to do. So I'm glad that you're here to do that. As, uh, as you heard Alan talking about, uh, we've, uh, every year around this time for us as a church, we make that sort of commitment to what, are, what am I going to pledge to give to the Lord in the coming year. And uh, this year we're calling it um, uh, Generosity Uncontained. What if we took the lid off our generosity like God has, has uh, taken the lid off of His generosity toward us? And so a lot of you, if, again, if, if you're new to First Pres, uh, we just want you to feel hosted, welcomed, uh, loved by a generous congregation, that's it. But if this is your church home, we prod each other along into generosity because we need that little push sometimes, right? So you may have gotten this at home. Did anybody get one of these? All right, now here's what happened. It's a beautiful stuff and lots of good, inspiring information. But then something a little bit funny happened when you actually get to the commitment card itself. Did anybody notice that? Up here on the upper left-hand corner of your commitment card, there's a name and address that ain't yours. So here's what happens. <laughs> we are not asking you to decide how much that person gives to the church next year. <laughs> there, there was a, a mix-up with the mailer and all that, and uh, we'll be sending out some new, new commitment cards next week uh, on Monday. But, uh, you know, actually, I got uh, Charlie and Shelley McBride, who I know fairly well. So I just, like, I got my pen out, and I was like, well, you know what? What do I think they should give to church next year? That would be a fun exercise, uh, but that's not actually what we're doing, and we'll, uh, we'll get you a commitment card uh, tomorrow, and things will all get worked out, okay? But we're grateful that we get to be a part of, of what God's doing, and that when we commit to Him our, our measly little resources, you know, it's amazing what God does. He does eternal things. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, actually, as we go into our message. So I want to encourage you to uh, open up your Bible to Luke chapter 16 at verse 19. And as we do that, let's pray. Lord, as we open up this scripture and we hear you, Jesus, telling a story about money, we pray that you would speak to each of us in our hearts. We thank you for your word, that it's true, that it's good. We thank you, Lord, that you're able to use your word to, to even come like a scalpel and cut away the lifeless things in our hearts. And, and we pray, Lord, that you would use your word to free us up to follow you, to know you, to see you, to love you, and to give you our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. The church said? Amen. Amen. Jesus speaking, a story Jesus told at verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died, and he was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. And 
But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent, he said to him. If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced. Even if someone rises from the dead. Get rich. You might be surprised that that's the title of the sermon today. That uh, it might surprise you to, to know that your pastor here at First Pres is going to stand up and tell you, I know the way to get rich quick. Can you believe that? I, I, I know the way. I figured it out. The seek, and it's not that hard. One step, and you can get rich. I figured it out. I found the key. This is all you got to do. And just that you just do this one thing, okay? You ready? Let me tell you at the end of the message. I'll tell you right at the end of the message, and you can walk out of here with it, okay? But let's talk for a minute about money. About money. I know money uh, probably doesn't mean much to most of you. I know money, uh, it's not a big deal in, in most of your life. I mean, I look out here, I see a wise, discerning people. I know that, that money is, is not something that, you know, gets too much of your attention. You, you have never been tempted to obsess over money. You've never been tempted to cut a corner at work or to step on a colleague to get a little more money. You, you've never been someone who's up at night thinking about money or finding yourself checking your bank account first thing in the morning. You've never been somebody who's worried, had to worry about, what do I do with money that's come to me from family as an inheritance? What do I do with that? Or worry about how I'm going to give money down the line to my kids and grandkids and what that's all going to mean. I know that that hasn't been a part of any of of your life, right? Because we're all so mature. But just for the sake of a couple of people in the room, let's talk about money. Let's talk about money. Jesus talked about money all the time. Why did he talk about money so much? Of his 39 identifiable parables in the Gospels, Jesus talked about money in 11 of them. 11. It was his second most favorite subject. His first most favorite subject was the kingdom of God. Second most favorite subject, money. Why? It's because money can be a dehumanizing force. And it can suck you away from God. And it can break relationship with others. If Jesus is the model for humanity, if Jesus is the humanity the world needs, if you and I are growing in likeness to Jesus, if we're becoming different people who want to reflect the love and, and, the, and, the, and the goodness and the beauty of Jesus, then, then we're going to have to ask, what does Jesus have to say about money? You know, in fact, if you sat and read the Gospel of Luke, which is, I wish that every one of us would do that. Before we answer any money questions in our lives, especially before we look at something like a commitment to giving to the work of the Lord, you know, or a friend's commitment to, you know, <laughs> what they're going to commit. What I wish you would do, I wish you would do it is, uh, is sit and read the Gospel of Luke straight through. 
because you're going to be blown away at how much Jesus talks about money. And why does he talk about money? Because it can pull us away from God. And we've got one of those stories right here. Verse 19, Jesus tells a story, okay? It's just a story. It's a fable. There once was a rich man. There was a rich man who dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Well, purple dye was expensive. Linen was expensive. So he's just saying, there was this guy uh, who just, you know, he had everything going. He had everything the way he wanted. He had every comfort in life. And here's the question that Jesus wants to ask, looking at that man. Is it possible? You see, because the people he was talking to, they believed that wealth was blessing. They just equated the two. So Jesus is saying, is it possible that you could have money and it could actually be a problem? Is it possible that money could actually be a detractor in your life? Is it possible that money, that riches, could actually be something that pushes you away from God? and pushes you out of the life that God wants for you? Is it possible? Is it possible? If lack of money, which we know we call that poverty, right? If lack of money causes people to feel like they're living a life that's less than human, like they can't be the person that God made them to be, if lack of money can be dehumanizing, well, what about, what about a superabundance of money? Can that push you away from God? Can that break your relationship with others? Now, let's be clear as we get into this. The Bible never says money is evil. It never says that. Money's just a resource. Jesus never says money is evil. Money's just a resource. But what's talked about is the position of your heart. And the love of money, it can drive you into all sorts of problems. 1 Timothy 6 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced, what? Pierced themselves with many griefs. You ever feel like somehow in life I just feel like I keep, I keep piercing myself through with grief? Jesus is saying maybe you're chasing the wrong thing. So Jesus says, there once was a rich man, there once was a poor man. The poor man was named Lazarus. Now we know Jesus has a friend named Lazarus, right? In John 11, he's got a friend named Lazarus. He's the brother of Mary and Martha. He died, and Jesus came and he, and he, he, he raised him back to life from the dead. And so, you know, you kind of wonder, is Lazarus there? He might be right there. But Jesus is just telling a story here, and he names the poor man Lazarus, and you might just keep that in the back of your mind. The poor man, he suffers in this life, and the rich man lives in luxury. But here's the problem. The rich man has no compassion. See, Jesus says, even the dogs come around and lick the sores of this man. Even the dogs have sort of a compassion, sort of, they move toward him to kind of help in their way. I mean, licking his sores. Thank you very much. <laughs> but even the dogs, their heart is kind of towards this guy. What about this rich man? His heart is hardened. He doesn't even notice the suffering. He doesn't move. His heart doesn't move toward the suffering of his fellow man. There's a problem there. And so you start to ask the question, well, if his heart doesn't move toward others, how is his heart with God? And pretty soon we find out, as Jesus says, and they both died. Poor man, he went to heaven. The rich man, not so much. <laughs> now, is Jesus stepping forward and saying, hey, let me tell you how it is? 
poor people go to heaven, rich people go to hell. Is that what Jesus is teaching? Of course not. That would, go, that would fly in the face of everything that he teaches us about salvation. Like in Mark 16, where Jesus said, for, the, for whoever believes and is baptized will be what? Saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. He used the word whoever. That means rich or poor. You know, from any walk of life, this is available to you. And salvation is believing in Jesus. Or it's John 17, 3, where he says, Now this is eternal life that they know you, God. They know you, God the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Salvation doesn't depend on what you're doing with your money. Salvation depends on your relationship with God. Salvation depends on knowing the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus Christ has won for you on the cross and allowing His grace and His love into your life and into your heart. And if, that, if you allow that into your heart, it's going to change your whole life. And so we, we know that that's what Jesus believes and teaches about salvation. So we come back to this story that He's telling. Once there was a rich guy, and, and we're asking, okay, Jesus, now what's happening here? Well, what we can see is that the rich man didn't know the Lord. And it's evidenced by his self-obsessed life. And what we come to understand is that the poor man apparently did know Jesus in his grace. It isn't actually a parable about rich or poor, friends. That's what I'm trying to tell you. This is actually an illustration. And if you walk away without understanding this, you've walked away without understanding it. (laughs) This is actually an illustration of your relationship with God and how your relationship with God is determined in this life and it is fixed in the next. Your personal relationship with God is determined in this life and it is unalterably fixed in the next. That's why Jesus says there's a chasm between us. And where you sit now, you can't change and I can't change because your relationship with God is determined in this life and it is fixed in the next. You see? And what does Jesus use to illustrate it? He uses this money. But the rich man, that's why the rich man begs. He says, come on, help me out. Now I know, now I know. So Father Abraham, go and, go and tell my friends, verse 30. You know, he, he's begging. But, but Jesus says to him in verse 30, as Abraham, tell him, no. If someone goes to the... I'm sorry. So what he says is he says, please come and, come and talk to me. You know, come and talk to my friends, my family, my brothers. I've got five brothers. And, uh, and, and he says, um, you know, Jesus through Abraham says, it's not going to any, make any difference. You know, they haven't listened to the scriptures. They haven't listened to Moses and the prophets. And so it's not going to make any difference. But then the man says, no, it would make a difference if you sent someone to them from the dead. You know, if you sent... If you sound like a ghost, I know these guys. They'll change. You know, it's like if you sent like Jacob Marley from, you know, who, who came to talk to Ebenezer Scrooge, you know. Oh, dragging his chains of wealth from beyond the grave. Oh, if, you know, go haunt them, Jesus. Go haunt them. And Jesus says, no, 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 through Abraham. It's no, no, no. They've got the word of God. Even if someone rises from the dead, They'll not be convinced. And you've got to wonder if Lazarus is right there. <laughs> Even if somebody rises from the dead. But Jesus is thinking way past Lazarus. 
Because even when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, comes and he dies on the cross and he goes into the grave and he rises from the dead and the tomb is empty, it's not enough to convince some hearts to open up to faith. This isn't a rich man, poor man story, friends. It's a this life, that life story. It's a present life, afterlife story. Your relationship with God is determined in this life and it is fixed in the next. And Jesus cares about that. But he uses, what does he use? He uses money to get at it. Why? Because there's nothing like money to get into your heart and pull you away from God, to confuse your sight so you can't see Jesus. There's nothing like money to convince you that it is the most important thing in life, that it is your gateway to happiness and and to security and to success, that it is what you need more than anything else. There's nothing like money. And once it convinces you of that, then you've chained your heart to it. And Jesus, he won't tolerate that slavery. And so he uses money as an illustration because riches can be a poverty, a force that isolates us from God and insulates us from others until we're stuck living a life that's a little bit less than human. There's a distinction in in the scriptures between wealth and riches. Riches is money that you pursue at the expense of others for a self indulgent purposes, okay? When you hear riches, that's, that's something people are, are pursuing to cheat others out of to satisfy their own desires. That's riches. But wealth is slightly different in the scriptures. Wealth is when you use the gifts that God has given you to build something up. Wealth is value that people make in the service of others and development of their own gifts. Do you see the difference? See, chasing riches is destructive, but chasing and building wealth is constructive. Think about the farmer who carefully sows seeds and and watches the crops grow. Think about the shepherd who carefully watches the sheep, and so the wealth grows by husbanding the sheep. By using the gifts that God has given him, has given her, there's a service to God in growing wealth, and they're using their God-given gifts and intelligence to create and build something. Chasing riches is destructive, Building wealth is constructive. So the question is the heart. Where is your heart? You see? Take it a step further. What is money? We said before, money isn't good or evil on its own. It's just a container where you keep your wealth or riches. You see? And the question all comes from the heart. How 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 are you positioning your heart? A coin in the hand of a person with a heart full of gospel-driven generosity. Uh, One scholar said this week, as I was doing my study for this, said, the coin in the hand of a person with a heart full of gospel-driven generosity constitutes wealth that is pleasing to God. A coin in the hand of a person with a self-indulgent heart would fit the definition of riches and be abominable to God. You see, the same gold coin, it can either be corrosive or life-giving, and what matters is your position of your heart. And by the way, that same coin can flip back and forth. That same bank account can flip back and forth. It depends on your heart and where your heart is positioned with the Lord. And God knows your heart. That's why Jesus said just a few lines before he told the story in Luke 16, 13, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the question is love. And the question is devotion. The question is where your heart 
is, where your heart is. How do you know where your heart is? Are you trying to use others and, and even to use God to serve money? Or are you trying to use money to serve God and serve others? This is the difference. One is a pursuit of riches that will wreck your relationship with God, destroy your relationship with others, and actually, actually, it'll crash your relationship with yourself. But the other is a gift of wealth that can be deployed to grow closer to God and in deeper relationship with others and to begin to live a life that reflects Jesus and looks a little more human. See the two paths? A friend of mine in the church told me his testimony and, and about his time on those two paths. He said, Tim, I was born fairly poor and, um, and, and when the opportunity came you know, to succeed, I grabbed it. I went to college and then I started working and, and I added value to my company. Year after year, I worked hard I poured myself into it, and he worked his way up to the organization until he was actually at the very top, at the very lead key position, the key leader. And he said, Tim, when I was in that seat, I want to tell you, I owned shares in that company. They were worth over $2 million. And you know what happened? The whole thing, the whole industry came crashing down like that. And he said, Tim, I, I still own those shares today. Would you like one? Because <laughs> you know what they're worth? Zero. But what he said was, what I didn't know was that little by little, my life was getting wrapped up in my job. And when that house of cards came crashing down, what I didn't know is it was going to drag my soul down with it. He said, Tim, when it crashed, I crashed. And he went into such a season of depression that he didn't know how to find his way out of the pit. And he, and he only escaped that through the help of those professionals who help in a crisis and a faithful, loving wife who walked with him and friends. The grace of Jesus Christ, his Savior, which became to him more valuable than anything in the world. And he says, now, I would never trade that time before for this time with Jesus. I would never trade him. I would never trade him. Because he's walking now with the Lord. Have you heard stories like that? From nothing to uber riches, back to the dirt before figuring out where true wealth lies. The rich man wasn't evil because he was rich. His riches eclipsed his love of neighbor. The rich man wasn't evil because he had money. His money shrouded his eyes and he couldn't see Jesus. And Jesus moves into that. He talks about money all the time because he won't let us stay in this place where we're seeking something that isn't going to satisfy and we're enslaving ourselves to a false God. He won't let you stay over there. And so he comes and he chisels away at it, talking at money over and over again. He hates our slavery to money. He hates it so much, you see, that Jesus has given us a measure 
Should we say, it's all about the heart. How's my heart? Well, how do I know how my heart's doing? Is there some kind of a, a test I can take? Well, the Bible has given us an indicator. It's given us a, a measuring stick, a kind of a dipstick to dip into our heart and see how we're doing with the money that God has given us. And what the Bible calls us, it calls it the tithe. The tithe, the 10, 10% of your income to be given over back to the Lord. And it's just a litmus paper test. How's my heart doing? Can I give 10% of my income back to the Lord? The Lord who gave me everything in my life. The Lord who gave me, by the way, all the skills and all the, the, the virtues that I have to be a resource of value in my company or in my job or in my career. Who's given me all those things and the good fortune moments along the way that, that we call in this house providence, that God has given you these moments where you could step forward and have these resources. He gave all of it to you. How's your heart? Could you return 10% back to the Lord? Think about a father with a child giving, giving a child 10 $1 bills, you know, one at a time. And the child's eyes are just getting bigger and bigger. And then the father says, laying down the 10th, now give me one back. Just as a sign of our love and our trust, give me one back. And, and what does the child do? <laughs> you know, no way. Maybe I got a nickel, you know, I could, I could throw your way, you know. I'm keeping it, 10 bucks, you know. How's your heart with the Lord? The tithe is a big challenge. Most people, even Christians, are only giving, you know, something like 2% of their income these days back to the Lord. How's your heart? For many who, who, who move toward the tithe and who reach that mark, it's only the beginning because we think, look, I don't want to stop there. Jesus didn't give 10% of his life for me, did he? He gave me his whole life. I want to grow in generosity as far as I can go. And it takes faith. It's a challenge. I know it's a challenge. It takes faith to believe that nine-tenths of my income is going to go further in my life than ten-tenths of it. That nine-tenths of my income, blessed with God and relationship with God, is going to go further in my life than ten-tenths of it managed by myself. It takes faith to believe that. But that's the measure of the heart. When we entrust our riches to Jesus, we become wealthy in a host of ways that the world never thinks to measure. So I hope you're not misunderstanding me. I'm not here to get your money, okay? And Jesus didn't go around teaching because he needed to get people's money. Do you think God needs your money? Jesus hammers at this because he's hammering at your heart. And the word of God, like a scalpel, it comes and cuts away those things that we're holding on to, that are pulling us away from God. Jesus can cut that out of your life. He can give you a freedom. And when you dip that litmus paper in, you know your heart is free. So I don't mind applying that pressure, you know. I don't mind teaching the tithe. It's not popular. It's not funny. I like to be funny. <laughs> But I don't mind applying that pressure. Because maybe that pressure is just what you need to unclench your jaw, to loosen your grip, let go of those white knuckles, and turn to your Father with open hands again. Say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. But listen to me now as the praise team comes out.
I want you to hear this. The reason Jesus told that story today, the reason he told the story about the rich man and Lazarus is because your relationship with God is determined in this life and it is fixed in the next. For all you might think about and talk about and all you might be feeling right now talking in church about money, for your relationship to money is nothing. It's nothing compared to your relationship to the Lord. You are not saved and you are not damned by what you do with money. But salvation as it hangs in the balance, salvation is a question of do you know the Lord Jesus Christ and can you trust what he has done for you in your life? Why does Jesus talk about money? Because he sees you grabbing onto it and hoping that it's going to bring you life. He sees you squeezing it like a stone and squeezing your career like a rock and trying to get blood and life out of that. He says, put that down. I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Your salvation depends on your relationship with Jesus, determined in this life and fixed in the next. And who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth and put on flesh and he went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could be redeemed, reconciled to the Father, forgiven, made whole and have eternal life. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the one that we have seen at every step of the way who has taken on the dehumanizing, the inhuman, dehumanizing thing so that you and I could step forward and be free to be human again. Who is Jesus? He's the Son of God who set aside all of his riches and all of his comforts as the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 8, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become what? Rich. Do you think that's talking about dollar bills? Or is the life that is truly life to be found in a relationship with this Jesus. Your relationship with God is determined in this life and fixed in the next. If you want to know what it is to be rich, if you want to know what it is to know the life that is truly life, trust Jesus. Take a step forward in trusting Jesus a little bit more with your wealth. If you really want to know the richness of life, if you really want to be rich, if you really want to get rich, open your heart to Jesus Christ. He's better than everything that you have been seeking and desperately holding on to. He is life. Lord Jesus, thank you for the courage that you have to put your finger right where it sometimes hurts and to apply the pressure that we need. We thank you for your word, a living word that's as sharp as a scalpel to cut away the lifeless things in our lives. And help us, Lord. I just pray that you help us all to release our grip on things that pull us away from you. But most of all, Jesus, I pray for any in the room in the sound of my voice who do not know you, have not turned to you, have not tasted of your grace, your love, your goodness. 
I pray that they would have the courage and the eyes today and the spirit of their lives to look to the cross, to see what you've done, to measure your sacrifice, to think more deeply about what it means that you are the Son of God who's come to seek and to save the lost. And I pray that they would open their hearts to you right now, right now, and they would know your light, your love, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.